This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Cholly. I'm still not in the jungle, but somebody else is, and we'll have a lot of fun with that uh, later in the week, I'm sure. Now, uh, coming up on today's episode, it's PMQ's Unpacked. Week three of Rishi Sunak at the Dispatch Box. How's he going to get on? Week three in. It's week three of complaints about his judgment. Keir Starmer challenging him over Gavin Williamson and whether or not he should have ever given him a job. That's coming up in just a moment with Tim Shipman. Before that, as ever, it's our columnist panel. And on a Wednesday, it's... The Columnists with Ali Burt, Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton on Times Radio. Yeah, they're both here in the studio, which is nice. Morning, Alice Thompson. Morning. Uh, morning, Robert Crampton. Morning, Matt Charlie. Nice to have you both here. Uh, let's talk about uh, Gavin Williamson. Because uh, we as you were coming in, we were just discussing. Uh, this, the, 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 the idea of Gavin Williamson and uh, whether or not politics has moved on a little bit from, you know, slitting your throats and threatening people with their, their bank statements. Well, he still thinks he's in the House of Cards, doesn't he? And you can yeah. see that it, for him it was a sort of ruthless game and that he wanted to be the bad guy and the nasty one. Mm. And actually he was incredibly useful to three prime ministers and a fourth potentially. But you can't why? be that nasty why, anymore. Because right, I think lots of people will be understanding why was he so useful? Because he was te- he had to be sacked as a defence secretary for leaking. He was terrible as education secretary. Everyone who had children who went through the exams and the schools not reopening. Why was he considered so useful? So he was a terrible minister, yes. But <laughs> and actually, I had children going through the exams, and we we all sort of cursed him. But what he was good at was when he was chief whip. Actually, he was mm. very good at having, um, well, basically having stuff on people, and that's yeah. what. It, it's very unedifying. We don't like it. And you wouldn't have that in any HR department mm-hmm. in the rest of the country. But he would find out things about people and use it to a certain extent. And he, I felt he abused his position in that way, but it was effective. And he did get people through the whipping system and he got people to vote. And that's what they wanted. They wanted the nasty guy who was going to do something. The problem is that Rishi Sunak is now meant to be the nice guy. And he's meant to be doing grown-up politics. It's all meant to be much kinder and nicer and more polite and Gavin doesn't really fit in with that now. And it's quite difficult, isn't it, Robert, when Rishi Sunak stood on the steps of number 10 talking about integrity. 
Yeah. And now he's, you know, we've gone from Swallow Barman to Gavin Williamson. Yeah, it's not a good, it's not a good look. I mean, it's only two weeks. We had a fairly reasonably quiet week last week and now it's all gone, it's all gone <laughs> wrong again, hasn't it? Uh, I mean, obviously, he's not somebody who should be put in front of a microphone or a camera or or, in, or given a red box. But everybody knows in politics, people like him are quite useful. I mean, I know this from local politics. There's always somebody in the background who can wheel sort of of top sort, the votes yeah. up and stick the knife in and make sure everyone's in the right room at the right time. And the, the, the political parties need them. Uh, yeah. And he obviously should, that should be his role. Uh, but he's... But even yeah. that, but that ultimately, it was that role which which has brought back its downfall. Because once people just realize, once people you can't stand up to the bully or start yeah, you calling them out. You can't talk to people like that anymore. Yeah. And it makes you think we a lot of us we all have we all put up with stuff that now that we shouldn't have put up with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a bit like the Me Too thing, where yeah. once the once the floodgates open, you yeah. think, well, actually, no, that was really unacceptable. What yeah. happened twenty years ago, or even what happened two years ago? There's a there's a, a sea change. Yeah. yeah? And we all probably, we're all old enough to have known people when we were starting our careers who did behave like that. Yeah. Uh, and probably some people who would still behave like that if the mood was different. Yeah. But you can't do that anymore, can you? Well, you and talk about just... um, Gavin Williamson shouldn't be putting a camera again, <laughs> in front of a camera again. There's a video which has resurfaced of Gavin Williamson. This was from 2020 when he was Education Secretary. This week, Anti-Bullying Week, is a chance to thank schools and teachers for everything they do to make the classroom a safe place for every child to thrive. Bullying is never acceptable. Every school must have anti-bullying policies in place so that no pupil fears coming to school. Hmm. Bullying is unacceptable, says man, just sacked for bullying. We're slightly worried, Robert and I, that maybe he was bullied at school because he does look like one of those people that had a difficult, tough time at school and is now is getting his own back. And quite a lot of those MPs are quite like that. They're, they're not the, the sort of ones that were hugely popular often. Sort of they're the nerds, ones that are then getting their own peculiar. back. Yes. So maybe that's what happened to him. Maybe that's why he's, he's, you know, getting rid of all those demons and he's paying everyone back. It's interesting, that, because you sort of think of, you know, someone like David Cameron sort of sails through school yeah. and everything is sort of okay. And, like you know, that's why he has ends up being sort of pleasant. Yeah. Whereas... Per personable. Yeah, yeah, personable. Whereas, you know, Gavin Williamson is, is a different... Who, I mean, we are speculating. I don't know whether Gavin Williamson had a tough time at school no. or not, but just, hey, let's speculate. He looks like he did. I mean, uh, <laughs> we were saying know, that Jeremy looks... Hunt really, who was the head boy, and Rishi Sunak, who was head boy, yeah. don't yeah, really get yeah, it yeah. in that way. But e they weren't. Equally, he looks like the sort of kid who would have been bullied. But then, if he had an opportunity to do a little bit himself, would have would have weighed yeah, in, yeah, punching down, would have weighed or in. He'd have kept yeah. some. He'd have kept some details to leak to the deputy that, head. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, and were you head boy, Robert? I wasn't head boy. No, we 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 didn't really have we we didn't really have a head boy at my they school. Did, they just didn't tell you. Maybe not. No. <laughs> I was on the sixth. I was on the sixth. I was on the sixth form committee, and then I and then I got suspended. So that was that. yeah. What for? You'd like to talk about that? No, you know, we'll be, no. Like, we'll be bogged out. I was I, head boy, just so oh, you know. Okay, well done. I thought that was why I was asking us the question. Actually, yeah, we were leading yeah. up. To you head girl, Alice? No, and I was expelled as well. So <gasps> were you? Can you yeah. talk about that? Not much. <laughs> um, this, this is Alibut for you. I mean, this is the Alibut real. Yeah, yeah. We were the rebels, really. There's a, there's, a, there's a late night version of this where you both <laughs> yeah. mess up as to why you were suspected or expelled. Yeah. Uh, so wait, let's, let's, we'll talk about uh, peerages because you've written your, your column mm. about that uh, um, and possibly open marriages as well, um, which we might not also be able to talk about. Uh, we've just been talking about Gavin Williamson and bullying. Alan's been in touch. You've just reported all the backstabbing that goes on to get their own way. You've just summed up journalism. 
Mm. I don't think journalism is as bad as politics, isn't it? Yeah, no. we don't get those kind of texts either, do we? No, we don't. No. No, and we I don't. don't think we. Actually... Well, journalists know better than to, than to commit it to writing. Yeah, I mean, there is one newspaper which is famously has a quite a bullying culture, but I think even that's changed now, hasn't it? And this this one certainly hasn't been like that for a long, long time. Yeah, I think yes. Certainly, when I, when I there was quite a lot of shouting when I was at Mail Online. Oh, then yeah, that may have been the paper. <laughs> yeah, that we I was get each other to. copies, don't we? We're quite nice to each other now. <laughs> Pretty much, it's why I've, part of the reason I've stayed here for so long. Exactly, it's a nice place yeah, to work. Yeah, it is a nice place to work. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about uh, talk of nice places to work. Nice work if you can get it. A peerage. Uh, you've written today about uh, the House of Lords, obviously off the back of Boris Johnson's um, putting literally everybody's ever met into the House of Lords. <laughs> um, uh, you, you basically think the Lords have become even weirder since they kicked out the hereditary peers, Alice. Yeah, so I started off as a junior reporter and I was the House of Lords reporter because it was so junior. Yeah. And um, I thought it was anachronistic then and you had you know hundreds of hereditary peers and they all went round and they were all filleting their Dover sole and talking <laughs> about granicking a stag and I had no clue and they just it just seemed like another world it was completely new it was like yeah. sort of Alice in Wonderland it was kind of extraordinary with all these people in tights and knickerbockers and and um and yet actually I think it's worse now I think now they're more entitled at least then you felt that the Viscounts and the Dukes <laughs> knew that they were anachronistic they knew that they were on their way out whereas this lot you feel have a sense that they should be getting the free parking, that they should be allowed to use the club as a sort of gentleman's club and kind of bring people in and do what they feel like. They don't really feel any sense of uh, of duty or obligation, mm. which oddly I think some of the hereditaries did feel and some of them still do. So some of the big issues are actually being led by these hereditary peers. Well, I suppose if, you, if you've been given the job because of your dad, basically, mm. you might have a little bit of guilt and hold to do something with this now because I shouldn't really be here. Whereas if you've been appointed by the Prime Minister, you can sort of convince yourself, well, it's because I'm so brilliant. Yeah, I and mean, there's a bit of kind of noblesse oblige, wasn't yeah. there? With the, with, with the, I mean, I don't approve of uh, hereditary peers, so I, I mean, I'm not uh, arguing in favour of. Yes. No, <laughs> I'm trying to analyse. Okay, the, so the but yeah, I mean, I think it, yeah, the things would have to be pretty bad for them, for it to be worse than what it was, and it, and yes, they are pretty bad. Yeah, uh, like you say, you've got a bunch of uh, fairly entitled people. It's essentially there because they're given money, or they were just mates with somebody, or for whatever reason, or you know, just political. Uh, Favors, you know, Nadine Doris or whatever, yeah. you know, just, and that is not a, it's not a good state of affairs. I mean, I thought the really telling statistic from Alice's column was the, was the fact that none, no former living prime minister has gone to the Lords, yeah, because they don't, they don't, they don't want to be there. They don't yeah. respect it. And now we've got what have we got? Six. I that think. is a really good point. And we got yeah. Major Blair, Brown, Cameron, May, and Major's Johnson. the first one. Yes, yeah. so Thatcher did Thatcher it. Thatcher did. And there's always been, I mean, that's the extraordinary thing, they've always had former prime ministers, and they're incredibly yeah. useful in the House of Lords because yeah. it's a reforming chamber, so they know how to operate and, and what to do, and they, they still yeah. want to do it. That really struck me, because you think John Major, yeah, he's going to go to the Lords, mm. you would think. He's pretty much an you know, wants to be in the establishment. But if, I mean, my respect grows for John Major, actually. Yeah. Not going, uh, gets his knighthood, fair enough. Goes also to, doesn't have to declare his earnings. Yeah. If yes, you go I to guess. the Lords, then yeah. you have your register of interests and all Good of point, that. good point. But instead we have Russian oligarchs, which is not yeah. great, yeah. is it? I mean, that's the problem, no. is that there are too many dodgy people in there. And I think they should all be sent up to York. I think it'd be great levelling up. And then <laughs> half of them wouldn't out. go. Yeah, they no. just wouldn't go, because actually what they want is they want to be in London. And they want like to a nice club. Have, they still club? Got, have they still got the, right, the shooting range? Oh, I haven't looked. No, they've I they've got they irons, mm. they've got showers, they've got free parking. It's quite nice up there. The um, mm. one of the things I've been I've been reading about because it was a hundred years ago this year that the, the Lloyd George and 
the yeah. literally selling of honours. Part of yeah. things, but at least that was a bit more. And he was not. Well, you know, he's always got on. He just yeah. went a bit mad with it. Yeah, I think it was like sold four thousand OBEs or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but at least it was. At least that was transactional. This sort of. These yeah, haven't even given any money to anyone. And it was, a, it was a scandal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's still a scandal, but it's not as much of a scandal it as it helped, ought to be. You know, it contributed to his eventual downfall. Yes. You know. uh, the whole and they're thing, also being paid as well, so that's the thing you forget, yeah. is that they're being paid quite in good, sort of, you know, over 300 quid a day just to turn up. And I think the whole system, the whole honours thing is just ridiculous. I think the idea that somebody has a nice life and a nice career and then you give them a title as well. You know, oh, you've had a nice life being a music superstar. Here, have a knighthood. It's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, that, and I think the whole thing needs so to if be. You, if you were offered, well, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that is the pro that is the problem. No, I mean, it's not a problem I'm personally going to have to face. Yeah, my granddad turned down a, a, an MBE or an OBE, I think. So maybe I'd do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. So, what about you, Alice? I just think we should scrap the whole lot. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. Is you are honours very... as well. Well, no, but the peers. But I think the about problem Damehood, is Dame Alice Thompson. Oh, you see, see that's I can see that. Sounds actually. nice, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? So yeah, you, exactly. It's very <laughs> tempting. The whole thing, and that's it's, the problem. Is it's, it's an incredibly tempting thing well, to do. Yeah. So you have to get rid of it to stop people. You do, I think, or go, certainly send it to York, which is the next, <laughs> which pretty much the same thing. As, well, the whole. I mean, basically, what um, uh, Lloyd George did was he gave every newspaper owner, yeah, had a peerage or a knighthood over, so everyone turned a blind eye to it. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And then nobody would report on it. Yeah. Well, I think Lord, Lord Sir, Sir Robert Crampton. Sir Robert Crampton. Yeah, I think being a sir is yeah, actually yeah. better. I have to say. I can well, see you yeah. touring regional theatres, <laughs> An evening with Sir Robert Crampton. <laughs> yeah, well, but yeah, maybe. You see, Bob. this is the problem. This, this is the problem. Now that you've dangled that in front of me, you know. Yeah. Well, but I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't actually take the knighthood because I mean, this is we're we're really in the yeah. realms of a bit spec, bizarre speculation. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't go and kneel in front of the uh, king or the uh, prince of Wales. Couldn't do that. I don't me. think you'd get them. I think you'd get like Edward or something. Couldn't do that. That's what you wouldn't even big ones. No, I, I wouldn't do that either. I wouldn't prince do that Sam either. Prince Anne would be quite good, wouldn't she? No, but I'm not going to go and kneel and curtsy to anyone. Do men, no men don't curtsy, do they? You can curtsy if you want to. Yeah. Okay. Not going to do that. So I'm going to do that. There you go. I think Dame Alice is still on. Yeah, I'll go yeah, Dame Alice. Yeah. I'm going to have to leave it there. It's Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson there. And of course, you can read them both in The Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next, it's PMQ's Unpacked. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast. Now it's time for this. PMQ's Unpacked on Times Radio. Unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman. Yes, and he's here, the Sunday Times Chief Political Commentator, Tim Shipman. It's the first one we've done with Rishi. One or other of us has been off yes. prior to this. Yes. So Sunak had a good start, didn't he? Um, uh, butted um, Starmer a little bit around the park the first week. Last week, not so much. Not so much. Kirsten and used quite, a, quite good... a lot of the same lines, and I think... Uh, Tory MPs will be, you know, uh, hoping that uh, he's uh, Michael Gove's written him some new jokes. I would have thought, but you know, well, this is it. I mean, he's basically got the stand-ups uh, problem. That if you're doing one gig as Chancellor, you do one or two gigs, maybe a month. You know, yeah, big gigs a get, year. You know, Osborne was the same, and Brown they'd yeah. emerge when they wanted to and exactly. look good, and then disappear. But he's basically Richard Sinak is like a stand-up who's just got a break on. He's now on Mot the week every week. Yeah, and he needs he needs a lot of he's new doing material. a residency. He's now, got a residency. He wants you on the telly. You know, you need new material all the time. Yeah, uh, Gavin Williamson. How significant is the uh, the resignation? I don't think it, I mean, look, in the greater scheme of things, it's not as exciting as the Labour Party uh, would like us all to believe, but it points to a really big issue about Rishi Sunak. Uh, If you look at the polls, if you talk to his colleagues, everybody says this is a serious bloke with a good, high-developed mind who um, uh, is on the face of it a decent, competent politician. But the big question mark about him has been his political judgment. Uh, the spring statement didn't go well for him. Uh, he screwed up on his wife's uh, non-dom status because he didn't see the problem with it. Uh, and now various people warned him. You know, a lot of people were phoning me up and saying there are various people he shouldn't appoint to jobs, and Gavin Williamson is one of them. Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary, went on the record to say that. These guys have been stirring up trouble. They're a menace. Don't give a job to him. Now, lots of leaders, have, in fact, every Tory <laughs> leader, has found Gavin Williamson a useful chap to have around, which is why they have all given him jobs and every last one of them has found that they've had to let him go as well um, because uh, the way well, he behaves is um, a little bit uh, on the edge for a lot of people. Josh, just uh, try um, to explain to people who might be wondering, what is it that Rishi Sunak thought Gavin Williamson was bringing to the party? Or is it just him being inside government was better than him being outside causing trouble? Well, that's one of the observations. I mean, you know, he's a guy who understands his colleagues and, frankly, politics is a dirty trade and Gavin Williamson is someone who's prepared to get his hands dirty and a lot of the stuff that's coming to light uh, about... Um, what you might call classic whipping behaviour, slightly threatening, slightly um, overbearing kind of behaviour, which was very common once um, and is now much less common in the world of Me Too and, and all the rest of it. People don't like uh, bullies anymore. Um, they might have tolerated <laughs> them, you know, in politics for a long time. Yeah. And the perception is that Williamson not only practices the dark arts, but revels in them. I mean, one of the strangest speeches I've ever heard at a party conference was when he introduced Theresa May. It got rather got lost because Theresa May had her dreadful coughing fit and everything all, you know, everything fell off the wall behind her. But the speech that introduced her was Gavin Williamson as chief whip. Chief whips don't give speeches at party conference, but he demanded the right to do so, yeah. and did. And he made this very strange speech about sticks and carrots and saying, well, you know, I'm not that much of an advocate of the stick, but it's amazing what you can do with a sharpened carrot. And, you know, that sums up Gavin Williamson. He was always looking for a weapon. He yeah. had his tarantula. He had his bullwhip on the desk. We hear he, you know, uh, 
got a samurai sword and used to flail around the office with it. Um, this is a, you know, uh, for a, a once fireplace salesman, this is yes. a guy who has advanced, you know... Quite a long way. Quite a long way in politics and not always um, through the power of his uh, mind, oratory or uh, uh, ministerial skills. Uh, so uh, it's likely to come up, I think it's fair to say, think, at PMQs today. I think likely today. to come up is one of those. Uh, one, thing that, one thing you should probably know, and this, this is the advantage of PMQs unpacked, he is the MP for South Staffordshire. So uh, just in case there are references to the MP for South Staffordshire, they're talking about Gavin Williamson. Uh, so it's Tim Shipman who is here with me for PMQs unpacked. We pause the action live from the House of Commons. You can listen along on Times Radio or watch along on uh, on the YouTube channel. Uh, where are you all watching today? Hi from Taunton. There's always Stephen in Taunton. Uh, hello from Cambridge. Hi from Utrecht, Bedford, Dubai. Uh, it's all happening. It's all happening. Uh, get online to the uh, YouTube channel. Uh, tweet it. Share it. Tell your friends. Subscribe. Subscribe. Well. There we are. Uh, right. Go. Uh, let's uh, kick things off. Then we'll go live to the House of Commons. This is question number one from Keir Starmer. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister in his comments about Remembrance Day? Uh, we remember all those who paid the ultimate price and all those who have served and are serving our country. Yeah. Mr Speaker, the member for South Staffordshire told a civil servant to slit their throat. That is Gavin Williamson. How does the Prime Minister think the victim of that bullying felt when he expressed great sadness at his resignation? Oh. <laughs> Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, unequivocally the behaviour complained of was unacceptable and it is absolutely right, it is absolutely right that the right honourable gentleman has resigned. For the record, I did not know about any of the specific concerns relating to his conduct as Secretary of State or Chief Whip, which date back some years. I believe that people in public life should treat others with consideration and respect, and those are the principles that this government will stand by. Well, there's quite a lot there. Uh, so we should, uh, should explain that in the exchange of letters last night, Gavin Williamson wrote to the Prime Minister to resign. In response, Rishi Sunak wrote back saying, thank you for your resignation later. It is with great sadness that I accept your resignation. So that's what... Uh, Keir Starmer was uh, well, getting Well, it is at. probably with great sadness that the Prime Minister's lack of political judgment has been exposed <laughs> quite so quickly in his premiership. So I suspect that's sincere at one level. The key word there, though, Matthew, was... I know what you're going to say. I've circled it. Specific, specific concerns. I was not aware of any specific concerns. Yeah, and he didn't know about this behaviour. Well, I mean, frankly, he could have framed any journalist and we'd have told him um, about uh, not necessarily the stuff that's emerged, but, you know... There are, but also, you know, this that's stuff has why been doing the rounds for a long time. It's not know. like he was brought in because he was a particularly brilliant transport section. That's why he was brought in. He was minister without portfolio. He was, he was, he was brought in precisely because of the behaviour that's been revealed. I mean, one of the great revelations, of course, of yesterday was that he did actually, by the end, have a portfolio, and we now long, no longer have a minister for the Geospatial Commission. Wow, quite. Uh, which uh, is a. Well, quite, so, somebody's it's a big message day in, in politics. Uh, Cameron says all very well, uh, joshing. Matt, but the big question is, who's going to do all Gavin Williamson's work now? So no, who's in charge of the Geospatial Commission? Well, as somebody in number 10 uh, put it to me last night, that sounds like ripe for privatisation. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So uh, we may not need a minister at all. But no, you're right. I mean, you know, general concerns about Gavin Williamson's behaviour have been around for a long time. Um, I mean, those of you who have a subscription uh, to the Times and the Sunday Times should have a look at uh, a piece that his former special advisor wrote for the Sunday Times a few years ago, which had all the samurai sword stuff in yeah, it yeah. and some slightly curious behaviour. You know, we think, you know, the most famous photo op with him was him sitting there with those sort of killer dogs from the army that he was saving, who everyone says, you know, probably ought to have been put down. But this was a <laughs> Williamson sort of, you know. So his, his time in government was either characterised by oddness and weirdness yeah. or when he was education secretary by uh, i think most people think incompetence yeah. um and his time as chief whip and in lots of other roles behind the scenes as sort of mildly sinister dark arts so it, it, you know for rishi sunak to say he knew nothing specific um, i mean perhaps that's accurate and fair enough but the idea that he didn't know the gist of uh, what yeah. most most of his colleagues would say about gavin williamson is a complete bunkum well, let's see, because we've basically had the opening the opening salvo. Keir Starmer's first question, Rishi Sunak reads his very carefully worded response. Can he get through another five questions? Well, he's not going to be able to questions. read that five times more. Read that five it, times so? more. So let's go back there. This is question number two from Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, the member for South Staffordshire spent years courting the idea he can intimidate others, yeah. blurring the lines to normalise bullying behaviour. Yeah. It's precisely why the Prime Minister gave him a job. Yeah. The truth is simple. He's a pathetic bully. But he would never get away with it if people like the Prime Minister didn't hand him power. Yeah. So does he regret his decision to make him a government minister? Mr Speaker, I obviously regret appointing someone who has had to resign in these circumstances. But I think, but I think what the British people would like to know is that when situations like this arise, that they will be dealt with properly. And that's why... And that's why it is absolutely right that he resigned, and it's why it is absolutely right that there is an investigation to look into these matters properly. I said my government would be characterised by integrity, professionalism and accountability, and it will. Well, it takes some... I mean, it's certainly bold returning to your themes of integrity and professionalism, given that... He's spent his first two weeks of PMQs uh, defending the Home Secretary, who's sitting next to him today, actually, Sweller Barman, she's in shot, uh, and the integrity professionalism at the Home Office, and now he's trying to defend uh, the integrity professionalism of, of giving Gavin Williamson a job. Yeah, I mean, it's a sort of... Um, it's a bravura effort to hold the line, you'd say, um, and a slight hint that, well, at least we got rid of him, you know... Uh, quickly, unlike that Boris Johnson fellow. Do you remember him? Um, that's sort of what he's hinting at. But it wasn't that quick. Some we had, we had several revelations. And some people will be wondering, why does he resign and not get the sack? Yeah. Um, because it looks better and you're less likely to antagonise Gavin Williamson, uh, would seem to be uh, what, what Rishi Sunak and his aides are thinking of. And, and for that reason, he's been... Um, you know, allowed to go and uh, has got a nice letter in return. Yeah. Um, but yes, there certainly were some people who would uh, prefer him to have been summarily fired. Um, but in a sense, I think people think that to do that would be more of an acknowledgement that he shouldn't have been appointed have been in the, the first, first place. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, do you regret giving him a job? I obviously regret appointing someone who has had to resign in these circumstances. Again, quite carefully, carefully pick your way through that one. Uh, let's see uh, if Keir Starmer's going to pursue this line or is, he might well broaden it out or go on to another topic. Here we go. There's question number three from Keir Starmer. Starmer. 
Mr Speaker, everyone in the country knows someone like the member for South Staffordshire. A sad middle manager getting off on intimidating those beneath him. But everyone in the country also knows someone like the Prime Minister. The boss who is so weak, so worried the bullies will turn on him, that he hides behind them. What message does he think it sends when, rather than take on the bullies, he lines up alongside them and thanks them for their loyalty? Quite strong stuff from Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, the message that I clearly want to send is that integrity in public life matters. And that is why... That is why it is right that the right honourable member has resigned. It is why it is right that there is a rigorous process to examine these issues. But as well as focusing on this one individual, it is also right and important that we keep delivering for the whole country. And that is why this Government will continue to concentrate on stabilising the economy, on strengthening the NHS and on tackling illegal migration. Those are my priorities. Those are the priorities of the British people, and this government will deliver on them. Those are my priorities, and those are things that we weren't actually talking about, but it's uh, got him through another question. It's called the pivot. <laughs> Although you're supposed to do it slightly more elegantly than that, aren't you? Meanwhile... Qu quite strong stuff. <laughs> yeah, from... Starmer's not mucking he's about. He's not mucking about he? today. No. Um, and interestingly, they've got, you know... Sunak is well known uh, by the public for you know what he did during the pandemic, but he's still a relatively new character, and Labour wants to sort of frame him in the public mind and trying to sort of use that imagery of you know the sort of slightly weak um, uh, chap hiding behind the bullies and whisper it quietly is the fact that Sunak is a bit of a diddy fellow, um, quite a short chap. Yeah, it's kind of you can kind of sort of. You can see you, how that might cut through. If you were a cartoonist, it wouldn't take much to portray him as the sort of the little guy hanging no. back behind the bullies. No, I mean, Frankie Boyle had a joke last week, didn't he, about how Sunak can't give a speech at night because he might be seized by owls, which is, again, <laughs> plays on the same... The idea that he's such a small fella that he might just sort of be plucked and flown away. And yet and he still can't find any trousers that fit. No, indeed, <laughs> they don't reach his uh, shoes do, in the way shoes. that yours and mine do. But a quite, I mean, like a sad middle manager getting off on intimidating people beneath. That's quite, you know, for Keir Starmer, it's quite punchy. Yeah, they've um, they've, you know. they've sharpened. There's definitely an attempt by Labour to sharpen things. Yeah, up. and they've got an opportunity here. You know, they've got a new target. Um, uh, in a sense, the Liz Trust moment was a bit of an anticlimax for Labour. They didn't really need to do anything. They just, yeah, sort of just watched it all unfold. Watched it all yeah. collapse. Um, and now they've got a, you know, they think they think Sunak will be around longer. They think he's probably the guy they're going to fight at the general election, and they're trying to frame him in the public mind. And actually, you know, the, the thing that the, because of the, what happened in 2019, uh, the Conservatives, you know, they never because the, Boris Johnson got to define himself uh, quite, pretty quickly. Uh, before Labour, because they were sorting themselves out and picking a leader. So, you know, defining your enemy early on rather than letting them do it themselves is quite important. Uh, let's go back then. This is, uh, we go back to the House of Commons. Question four from Keir Starmer. Starmer. Mr Speaker, the problem is he can't stand up to a run-of-the-mill bully. Yeah. So he has no chance of standing up to vested interests on behalf of working people. Yeah. Take Shell. They made record profits this year, £26 billion. How much have they paid under his so-called windfall tax? Yes. 
Well, that's quite a pivot, is it? Mr Speaker, I was Chancellor who introduced an extra tax on the oil and gas companies. Right, but, but he talks, he talks, Mr Speaker, he talks about working people. The right honourable member voted against legislation to stop strikes disrupting working people. He voted, he voted against legislation to stop extremist protesters disrupting working people. That's because he's not on the side of working people, Mr Speaker. That's what the Conservatives are for. <laughs> so many pirouettes now. It's like Torval and Dean now, isn't it? So, Starmer. I will pivot. pivot, second, pivot. To, I'm yeah, going to pivot from bullying to shell. Yeah. And then I, Rishi Sudak, will pivot from that to... Uh, interesting. he won't even use the word windfall tax. He, when he announced it earlier in the year, it was called something else, wasn't it? An additional profits yes. dividend levy or no, something. No, was at least prepared to lean sort of gently into it there yeah. um, in a way that uh, Liz Trust never was. Um, Starmer spent weeks attacking her for not introducing a windfall tax and she never once mentioned what we've already introduced. already got one, one. yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, I mean, the interesting thing there, I mean, you know, Sunak on... Strikes and protesters, the Tories feel that's a bit of an Achilles heel for Labour yeah. and that um, people are getting a bit bored of the M25 being closed down by these um, oil people and um, a lot of the disruption to transport and all the rest of it. And they think that's a, a productive line of inquiry and making it difficult for, you know, Labour is always reluctant to sort of uh, go after um, people like that. And it's, they I mean, think that, you know, that's how... If there's any chance of Rishi Sunak connecting with the Red Wall voter, it's that sort of stuff that they think that they need to make a big thing of. It's quite a weird thing, that, though, isn't it? You know, it goes back to the argument we've talked a lot about. You've been in government for 12 years. Is it, Rishi, is it Keir Starmer's fault that uh, the trains aren't running or your post isn't being delivered or, your, uh, or the M25 is blocked? Uh, well, that would be a good response uh, by <laughs> Keir Starmer in Prime Minister's Question Time if he had the job. Well, um, yes. Who knows? He may, yeah, even, yeah, yeah. he may even mention that in his uh, the top well, of his well, 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 frankly, there's no way of knowing where they're going to go next. No. Uh, let's, let's find out. Where, where, ice, where, literally ice dancing. Could, could be, uh, yeah, let's p pivot away. Pivot away. Uh, this is, we're bringing you PMQs unpacked here on Times Radio. You can watch along on the YouTube channel, on Times Radio YouTube channel. Uh, let's go back to the House of Commons. And this is question number five from Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, I'm, I'm against all of those causing chaos, damage to our public services and to our economy, whether they are gluing themselves to the road or sitting on the government benches. Mr Speaker, there was no answer to the question because the answer is nothing. Shell haven't paid a penny in windfall tax. Why? Because for every pound they spend digging for fossil fuels, he hands them a 90p tax break, and it's costing the taxpayer billions. So will he find a backbone and end his absurd oil and gas giveaway? Well, Mr Speaker, what the party opposite will never understand is that it's businesses investing that create jobs in this country. We Mr Speaker, we on this side of the House, we understand that. We will support businesses to invest, to create jobs, because that's how we create prosperity, that's how we support strong public services, and that's what you get with a Conservative government. Well, that was a good philosophical contest, yeah. that one, actually. And good actually, response from Starmer, wasn't good it? Good response from Starmer. Sort of going to the point that we were making. He just needs to just shut down the idea that he's on the side of people gluing themselves to things. Yeah, no, and he did that. And then so and I'm got against anyone well. who's you know causing chaos, including the government themselves. Yeah. I thought that deserved a bit more of a laugh than it got from yeah. his own side, to be honest. 
But then, you know, and, and the Shell point is an interesting one. And I think the Daily Papers, uh, you can imagine, will uh, do something with that. Um, uh, it's the kind of thing that riles a lot of Middle England um, if they're not paying any windfall tax. Um, but then a sort of, you know, Sunak still getting a decent level of noise from his own side in stating Tory philosophy, which is yeah. that, you know, you encourage businesses to invest, it creates jobs, and that's that's how the world goes round. Um, so this has been quite a good meaty exchange all in so far, I'd say. Although the, the thing about putting himself, putting himself on the side of business, we understand business, business invest, they create jobs. That's really not where the public are. There aren't that many. You have to be pretty purist, almost borderline Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng to think that the number one priority right now is keeping business happy. Uh, true, but jobs are important and that's the one bit of the economy that's been working for the last few years. And, mm. you know, I think... Um, uh, there aren't voters in any corner of the land that don't think jobs are important. So, you know, it's uh, it's it keeps them in play, even if it's not the sort of populist argument that you might have heard from uh, from some other Tory leaders. And also, I suppose, you know, Rishi Sunak's still new in the job, keeping his backbenchers happy, the broad coalition he's trying to hold together. That's what I was also going to... The other point I would have made, I think it's, uh, you know, he had a dicey week last week. They've had some problems this week. Williamson's embarrassing. Um, and... Um, Frankly, the best result for Sunak really is not to be, as long as he's not pummeled by Starman, as long as Tory MPs walk out of that chamber thinking, well, actually did an OK job there, that, that's probably, oh, job, that's probably that, job done this That's probably week. as good as it gets. Yeah. Well, here we are, then, the perivation, uh, as we like to say. The, uh, as both of them reach for what could possibly be, a, uh, at the very least, a social media clip, if not a clip for the news. Let's go back then to the House of Commons. This is question number six from Keir Starmer. There's only one party that crashed the economy Bring and they're the all sitting back. there. It's a pattern, Mr Speaker, it's a pattern with this Prime Minister. Too weak to sack the security threat sat around the Cabinet table. Too weak to take part in a leadership contest after he lost the first one. Too weak to stand up for working people. He spent weeks flirting with the climate change deniers in his party, then scuttled off to COP at the last minute. In the budget next week, he'll be too weak to end his oil and gas giveaway, scrap the non-DOM tax breaks, and end the farce of taxpayers subsidising private schools. That's what Labour would do, a proper plan for working people. Mr Speaker, if he can't even stand up to a cartoon bully with a pet spider, if he's too scared to face the public in an election, what chance has he got of running the country? Right, Minister. Mr Speaker. We won't... We're going to try and get through on time, and I know some members want to catch my eye. They're not doing a good job so far. Come on, Prime Minister. Mr Speaker. The Honourable Gentleman talks about judgment about putting people around the Cabinet table. I would just gently remind him he thought the member for Islington North was the right person to look after our security. But, Mr Speaker, the, the Honourable Gentleman, the Honourable Gentleman, he's, he said a lot today. He said a lot today, but it's clear that he isn't focused on the serious issues that are confronting our country. We're strengthening our economy. He's backing the strikers. We're supporting people with energy bills. He's supporting the protesters. And we're tackling illegal migration. He's opposing every measure. The British people want real leadership on the serious global challenges we face, and that's what they'll get from this government. 
Oh, Sibella Barber was enjoying that, nodding along and smiling, uh, sitting next to, on one side of the Prime Minister, Dominic Raab, the Deputy Prime Minister, sitting on the other side. Um, Keir Starmer, too weak. They've obviously decided this is the thing they want to go after uh, yeah. Rishi Sunak. He looks a bit small. He's too weak. He can't stand up to a, what was it, a common garden bully with a pet yeah. spider? Which, yeah, a secure, you know, or security risk around the cabinet table, which I assume was, that, that, was, that was a reference to... Uh, Sola Barverman. Uh, well, and it could have been once a reference to Gavin Williamson, Gavin Williamson as well, exactly who right. was fired for leaking from the National Security Council. Um, and, yeah, rousing screams of more from the Labour benches. They like that a lot, um, nearly as much as the wag who yelled, bring back the lettuce, um, <laughs> which was the best heckle I've heard at PMQ for quite some quite time. quite a while. There's one of the downsides was doing it in the studio. You don't pick up... You need them to be picked up by the, the, by the microphones, but if you are in the gallery, you do... You sometimes hear the sort of slightly off off stage uh, heckle, but that two week, two week, two week. I mean, he's clearly. I mean, he's, it's not an accident. Uh, Keir Starmer trying to emulate, I think, uh, Tony Blair when he went up against John Major. Isn't it extraordinary that the Prime Minister of our country can't even urge his party to support his own position? Yeah, weak, weak, weak. And, uh, you know, but he's too weak, too weak, too weak. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, it's a, if, if they can make it stick, there's the next general election in the bag. And yeah. they've clearly thought that that's a, a good way to attack Sunak, who has got, you know, he's got a lot of problems. He's not in a position of great strength with his own party. Um, and they've made a couple of unforced errors already. Um, uh, then the Sunak response, which I think will be indicative of what you're going to see in the run-up to the next general election. You're going to see this budget, which is going to be about trying to um, direct money to the, the most in need. But then the tough side of the Tory message is going to be on protesters, strikes, immigration, wokery, all that kind of stuff. So you'll get a kind of... It's a bit back to what Boris Johnson tried, you know, a bit of handouts uh, on the financial side, coupled with sort of hardline sort of cultural... Bash the uh, protesters. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. on the other side. Sunak also tried, you know, he, he rolled out the Corbyn line again. Yeah, wanted, yeah, yeah. You know, Which well, so is a legitimate line, let's not be wrong about it, but in terms of it feeling like something that's getting any traction in the chamber at all, uh, or indeed particularly outside it, that just feels like old hat to a lot of people, I think. Well, you've taken the words right out of Su Susan uh, on the YouTube channel, says it's so old hat. Uh, somebody else says Corbyn, bingo, uh, Benjamin. Yeah, it's it's... To just keep bringing it up, that's your best argument uh, as to what, you know... And it is it's a legitimate point that Keir Starmer thought, you know, at least pretended he thought Jeremy Corbyn should be Prime Minister, but it's what's happening right now is important. And it also doesn't sort of work because everybody knew Keir Starmer didn't really want Jeremy Corbyn to and be Prime Minister. Him out of, and he's kicked and he's him out of the party. And he's literally kicked him out of the party. Literally kicked him out of the party. The other... as I said earlier, I think, you know, Sunak made a fist of it and he still had some... No it wasn't like the silent, echoing horror behind him that you sometimes get when a leader's in trouble. Yeah. I think... Most Tory MPs would have thought he, you know, he gave a, he had a, a decent of account of himself, and Starmer clearly won that hands down. But um, you know, Sunak still scored a few runs, and you know that's important. And uh, interesting though, he sort of he says we're you never mind all that trivial nonsense. We're focusing on the big issues: the economy, the NHS, illegal immigration. None of those things are going terribly well. No, they're not. Um, and, and, and it's fine because he can say, "Well, I've only been here for a few, couple of weeks." But come the next election. It's not totally clear that the economy, the NHS and illegal immigration is going to be any better. Uh, no, they will uh, try to show... Um, I mean, the only hope the Tories have got is to show movement in all three of those and say, let us finish the job. Yeah. Um, 
that's clearly what the Tory election campaign is going to look like. Um, don't you know we're going in the right direction? Don't don't risk it. Don't risk a change of uh, of leader. Um, but as you say, um, it's not immediately obvious that any of those can be fixed. Those know, I mean, the, the economy ought to be in a better position. Most people think you know inflation will have uh, started to come down next year. Um, and you know unless they uh, really make a mess of things uh, in nine days' time, that ought to be clawing back. But not to the point where people are beginning to feel like things are going well or they've got more money in their pocket. Um, the NHS is a, a problem post-COVID that, you know, would defy uh, any government. Um, and, you know, immigration, as we have seen, has been consistently much higher than the public seems to want it to be for two decades now. Yeah. Um, if Rishi Sunak can solve that in two years flat, um, <laughs> maybe he does deserve to remain in Downing Street. But as you say... Um, uh, it's not exactly obvious that that's going to be the case. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting, yeah, as, as time, you know, this time next week, we're on the eve of that uh, autumn statement. Uh, and then the week after, you know, the fallout of that is we're going to define probably, definitely politics all the way up to Christmas and, and, and possibly even beyond. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.